Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Can, can we give kids a hope a hand again? So, uh, I, uh, kids a hope is dear to my heart. We, uh, my family started coming to Community of Hope. We attended the West Campus seven years ago, and um, I have four kids, and they started going when my two older ones were there. They were in sixth grade, so they went to Kids of Hope and youth, and they loved it right off the bat. And they said, "Can we come back?" And we haven't left since. I mean, there were other reasons we stayed at Community Hope, but that was a, that was a, a huge one. And over the years, my two younger girls, um, they always say they want to go to all three services over there on the West Campus because they want to serve in Kids of Hope, they want to go to Kids of Hope, and they want to go to service. And um, that's just a testament to how hard the Kids of Hope team works. And if you, this whole month we're highlighting Kids of Hope in February, if there's any inkling in your heart that, yeah, maybe I should get involved, we, we do a rotation. We, uh, you know, you're not there every Sunday, especially any men out there. It would be great for you to join the team. Maybe you want to support Kids of Hope and not be in a teacher role. There's plenty of things that Kids of Hope do. It's one of the hardest working departments here at the church, and you could help in other ways as well. So I just commend that to you. But um, it's great to be here this morning. I'm happy to be preaching. Uh, I've been enjoying this series very much. If you were here last week, Pastor Dale brought a powerful message on self-control. Uh, if you weren't able to be here, I encourage you to get the podcast. Our services here at uh, Community of Hope are, are available by podcast by midweek, usually after the Sunday that it was preached. But we, we've been in a series called The, the Best Year Yet. And we've been looking at uh, the book of Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And uh, is, that, is that ringing pretty good? You guys all right? Can you hear that? All right. Um, it, we've been looking at what Peter has been teaching us. He was teaching the church um, that we need to add to our faith, what we need to add to our faith to make our um, faith more effective for our life and for God's purposes so with every series that we do, we have a key verse that we seek to know and memorize. So let's, let's read that together. It's found in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, you read with me, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By His own glory and goodness. What a, what a verse. His divine power has given us everything we need to follow Jesus, to do what he wants, to live an effective life for him. You have it. It's saying here that you have it. We just need to seek it, and it'll be there by his goodness, not our works, not our worthiness, but by his goodness. So after this passage, Peter goes on to list things that he says we need to add to our faith. And we've been looking closely at each week at each thing that he says we need to add to our faith. And the first week we looked at um, just faith. What is faith? Is faith, you know, can you have doubt in faith? We, we said that, you know, it's not the total absence of doubt, 
but it's confidence in the promises of Jesus. That's what true faith is. Confidence is in the, what Jesus said, right? I like what Andy Stanley says. He says, if you, know, if, if you have a guy who can... And uh, we know that Jesus did. So then the second week, we, we started looking at the different things that Peter said to add to our faith. And uh, the, the, the second week, it was about adding goodness to our faith. You know, this is living the right way. This is, this is doing what God wants, how he wants us to live, doing the right thing in light of his grace, you know, because he's forgiven us of our wrongdoing and moving towards Christ's likeness, adding what's the right thing to do to our faith, living a new way, living like him. And then the third week, we were looking at Peter's instruction to add knowledge to our faith and our goodness, to add knowledge. And we noted that, yeah, this was knowledge in the sense of facts about God, about how to live the Christian life. One aspect of knowledge is that, that we need to love the Lord our God with our mind as well, that study, understanding, that's all important. You need to know someone, you have to know facts about them. But also it went further than that, that it's experiential knowledge of him, that we're learning to, you know, have a relationship with him and get to know him in other ways as well, through the other disciplines. And then last week, as I mentioned, Pastor Dale looked at the next uh, thing that Peter says to add, which is self-control. So it's faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control. And I hope by this point you're, you're starting to catch that Peter has a logic to what he's saying, right? He has a logic to each thing that he's adding. And um, so this week, what comes next in the passage, we'll see, is the word perseverance. So let's read 2 Peter uh, 1, verses 5 and 6. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. Now, i got to say, perseverance is not always a favorite word. Um, to think about is, is kind of funny because I, they asked me to preach uh, two weeks ago about this weekend, and my wife was very sick with the flu. And I was thinking to myself, mm, I don't know, the timing might not be great. And sure enough, at the beginning of this week, I was feeling real sick and uh, sick all week. And, I, you know, there's a few moments like, oh, maybe I should ask someone else to preach. And then I was like, it's on perseverance. I can't do that. <laughs> You have to take my man card. I mean, you just can't, you know. There's no getting out of that. So, and I didn't want to get out of it, actually. But, but right, perseverance isn't a fun word to think about. But it's very important. And I actually think that due to the time that we live in, I mean, we're living in a technological revolution akin to the Industrial Revolution. And I think that the way that our technology and the way our lifestyle is and the things that have come up, it actually programs us in a way to not even really understand perseverance, to even think in ways that kind of work against it. In marketing, they have a term right now called nowism, and it's, it's, it's the belief that companies need to work on getting their product for instant gratification as fast as they can, fast as they can. Um, so even then, they're recognizing that truth of you know, all the conveniences that we have due to our technological advantages. So I wanted to think of a few ways that this has happened. Now, this is an old technology, really, in some sense, right? How many of you guys uh, remember heating food before microwaves? 
took a lot longer, right? You know, I mean, some people do it for health reasons still, but um, I, I, they're very, they're awesome machines. Been around a long time, but took a long time to reheat food without that. So uh, how about Google for instant information? Who remembers going to the library and using the card catalog? I was thinking about that. It's like, you know, back in the day, you had a lot more know-it-alls because, you know, you couldn't check what they were saying. They'd be rattling off their knowledge, and you'd be like, you might be able to go find an Encyclopedia Britannica somewhere and maybe call them on it. But now it's just like, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> or how about texting and social media for instant connections and communication, right? Um, you know, there was a day it was an awesome day when people couldn't reach you for, for work until the next day. <laughs> it was awesome. But, all right, how about this? I, I, can, I can prove right now that most of you are infected with this instant gratification thing. How many of you wait for more than three seconds for a YouTube video to load without going to the next one, right? The internet's going too slow. My day is ruined, right? Or how about one-day delivery? That's the new thing, one-day delivery. So all these things, I say, are, they're actually great. They're good things. But they program us to think that things should be instantaneous, that things should happen quickly. And I, I think they can easily translate into our spirituality. I think um, even in some sense, uh, even when we read the Word, if we don't understand it properly, it, it can cause us to think things should happen faster. If you, let's just, for an example, say you're reading through the book of Acts as a historical account of the church. You know, it's the highlight reel. In between the happenings that it's highlighting, there can be years of time, but you read it in 20 minutes. And even that can kind of make us think that life with God should be instantaneous, instantaneous, instantaneous. But as we can see, Peter is saying that we need to add perseverance to our faith. So what is perseverance? I mean, the simple definition of perseverance is this. It says, persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So, um, you know, on a, on a personal level, whenever I think of the word perseverance, it, it does make me think of my brother Matt. Now, my brother Matt attends um, the West Campus, and he was born nine months after I was. He was my younger brother. He was born premature and has cerebral palsy. So when growing up, um, it, the cerebral palsy affected mostly his lower half, and he needed braces and physical therapy. But up until his late 20s, he was able to walk with a cane. So he had braces and kind of, kind of you know, wobbled when he walked, wasn't totally steady, um, didn't take big steps, but got around pretty well. And... Due to my parents' upbringing, they, they never babied him in the sense of let that be an excuse for what he wanted to do. And he just kind of always grew up with this idea, if, if I want to do something, he didn't even think about his legs. He never complained about his cerebral palsy. He complained about everything else. But <laughs> he never complained about that. And I remember, like, uh, we used to ride dirt bikes, and, you know, my stepfather got him a four-wheeler, but the problem was that you had to shift, and... Um, he's, his foot couldn't, couldn't do this, mo this movement. So he got, we got him a Harley shifter, this big, big, big thing, and he would ride around on, his, uh, on the four-wheeler anyways. You know, people said, nah, you can't do that, too dangerous. 
He did run into me a few times, but that's another story. <laughs> One time, I would think of, he wanted, uh, he said, I want to play drums. And they're like, well, your feet don't quite work right, Matt. You know, I don't, I don't know if you can play drums. And well, my parents were divorced, so my father sent him home with a drum set once, but that's another reason. Um, and he learned. He got over it. He did things differently and eventually ended up getting an electric drum set, and that helped too, and adapting, right? So he always persevered, always pushed through. And I remember one family vacation we went to, um, it was kind of symbolic of this, him and my stepfather and pushing him. We went to uh, Lassen National Park in California, and we were camping near this thing called Cindercone. And Cindercone is a big pile of volcanic ash. And you see that path along the side of there on the right? Um, that you can hike up this thing. It's really awesome. But it's, it's basically a big pile of black sand. And my brother wanted to come with us. I'm like, man, it's a long walk, you know, it's going to be really hard on you. And, but my stepfather always pushed him. And he said, well, if you come, you're going all the way to the top. And Matt's like, okay. He never backed down. So you, that's, a, that's a lot steeper than it looks for, let me say, right there. Right? And when you would start going up that path, you'd take one step forward, and then you'd slide back about half a step. And you'd take one step forward, and you'd slide back about half a step. Well, about halfway up, my brother Matt was exhausted, and he was kind of wanting to give up. So my stepfather and I got on each side of him, and we, we kept going. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And he pushed through, and it was a huge, uh, just symbolic aspect of you just push through the pain. And he loved it. And then, on the way, home, way down, it was a lot faster, and I got to see him roll and tumble and stuff. It was really fun. <laughs> but uh, um, he was tough. He could do it. But this, this feeling of taking one step forward and sliding back half a step, and one step forward and sliding back half a step, this is life. This, often we have this feeling in uh, either in our spiritual life and in, in other aspects that we're trying to, to move towards, goals we're trying to reach. And perseverance is an important aspect of how we face this. Uh, Eugene Peterson wrote a book titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And he's speaking in the book, he's speaking of the need for uh, robust Christian discipleship. And he wrote this, he said, one aspect of the world that is harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. It's not difficult in this environment to get someone interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. People have developed the lifestyle of a tourist and only want the high points. There is little desire to wait patiently and devoutly for a true relationship with God. An essential thing in heaven and earth is that there would be a long obedience in the same direction resulting in something that makes life worth living. And this is what Peter's talking about in our passage. He's, he's, when he says that we have to add perseverance to our faith, we have to understand that it's a long obedience in the same direction is a big aspect of growing and maturing in Christ. And this is also backed up by you know, observable uh, behavior of successful people. A lot of people study this. Um, this is one that's interesting TED Talks that Angela, uh, Angela Lee Duckworth puts together. They're worth watching. But she was a teacher, and she was working with kids and started to try to think, what causes some kids in the classroom to be successful and other kids not? 
And she, had a, 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 she, she was looking for, is it their IQ? Is it their family background? Is it, you know, how much wealth they're growing up with? Is it, is it their talent? And it, it didn't match up with all the things that most people concentrated on. So she, she went back to school so she could study it and prove her theories. And she found out that it, really the only thing that mattered is if the kid had what she called grit, which is another word for perseverance. If the kid had grit, it didn't matter their IQ, their talent, they would do well in school. You know, she defines grit as hard work, passion, zeal, perseverance for long-term goals. Um, she, she says it's staying motive for the long run, living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, the ability to stick with a task or goal without getting bored or needing to switch to something new, without getting discouraged by setbacks. She said one of the most important things that you know, in developing grit, is somewhere along the line, the kids who had this, they believed in a growth mindset. They believed that they could get better at what they were learning. Some of us get stuck and we think, this is as good as I can be. It's just me. I can't change. That doesn't fit with our faith either. We can grow. We can become better if we persevere um, and do what the Word says. And I think we intuitively know this, right? I mean, successful people, they, they work at things and they don't, get, they don't get sidetracked by setbacks. But how do we add perseverance as, to our faith as Peter instructs? And I think uh, we can find help in a kind of longish passage in Hebrews. And we're going to read Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 12. And I wanted to read the whole thing because um, we'll concentrate mostly on the top three passages. But there's a flow of thought in this whole passage that is helpful to us. So let's, you can follow along uh, on your notes or on the screen here. And this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children, for what children are not disciplined by the Father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, Father in heaven, Lord, I just pray that you would um, reveal what you want us to, to see, Lord, from your word. Lord, bless us as we seek to do what you tell us to do and add perseverance to our faith. Amen. So, I think uh, looking at this passage, there's four things that I want to point out that I, about perseverance in this passage that I think is helpful for us. You know, like, how do we add that to our faith? Um, so, developing spiritual uh, perseverance takes, first of all, saying no to distractions. To develop perseverance, we have to say no to distractions. Uh, Hebrews, the first verse there in, in chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Now, throwing off everything that hinders, it's coming from the word picture that the writer of Hebrews is using. And he's using the word picture of a marathon in the Roman world. And um, in the Roman world, they, they ran naked. I don't, I don't know how, maybe that's awkward. But they ran naked, naked. And the reason is because the way their clothes was, the, the way that they, the type of clothes that they wore wasn't, conducive to running a marathon. So they would, they would throw it off. They would take it off, and that's kind of the picture, is take off anything that hinders you from running the race full speed, not weighted down, right? Now, I got a question. Are clothes bad? Please say clothes are good. Clothes are good, right? <laughs> All right, clothes are good. No. So what is the, what is, you know, if we're going with the analogy that the writer's using, He's not talking about yet, he does in the next phrase, but sin or bad things, anything that hinders. There are a lot of things that are good, that are fine, that aren't a moral problem, that can hinder us from our goals, from developing our faith in a way that's maturing, that get in the way. It doesn't have to be a sin to get in the way uh, of us, but we need to look at what things um, hinder us from developing perseverance, from growing. And they need to be thrown off. Sometimes we have to be willing to miss out on what other people are doing to accomplish what God wants us to do. And that's okay. There's a truth that I think is not said enough in, in our society. Is you can't have it all. You can't. You can have what matters. You definitely can have what matters. But you really can't have it all. There's too many options. There's too many ideals. There's too many things. You can have what matters. And that's an important truth to know. So we need to throw off anything that's getting away, anything that's hindering, anything that stops us from doing what we need to be doing. And look at the, the last half of verse 1. It says, um, the sin and throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Again, we're picturing a runner in a marathon. And the, and the, it's, the, the word picture is something that's entangling their legs. It's like as, it's, it's if they're tangled up in ropes wrapped around their legs. So sin, unlike things that might just hinder us that aren't necessarily bad, sin is entangling. You know, we need to, uh, you know, picture trying to run with rope all around your legs. You might be able to crawl, you know, but sin is entangling. It can become bondage. You know, often if you think of, uh, how many have had someone who doesn't know how to tie knots, tie knots, and then you got to try to get them undone? That's fun, right? And my kids do that all the time. It's like, how did it get so tight? But that can be really tough. And the truth is, if you're entangled in sin, you may need help. You know, we have a thing on Monday nights called Celebrate Recovery. And really, it's about helping people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. 
If you have any bondage of sin, anything that you need help with, the truth is you may need to sit down and let others help you untangle your legs so you can start running again. Really, that's often the only way. And that's why God has given us the church, so that we can be a help to each other. So I encourage you to come out on Monday night, so it's at 7 o'clock. And, uh, all right, yeah, and um, if you need help with that. But sometimes before you can run again, you have to sit down, untie the knots. You need to repent of the sin. You need to get rid of it. And if it's entangled in you, if it's been bondage, you need help. So secondly, how we add perseverance to our faith is saying yes to discomfort and pain. Isn't this a fun sermon I got to preach? <laughs> you guys are like, woohoo, pain. No. This, you know, obviously this is, this is what makes it difficult, right? You have to say yes to discomfort and pain. It's the most difficult thing about developing perseverance. We live in very comfortable times in modernity here. You know, some more than others, but historically speaking, we're all very comfortable. Um, but to develop perseverance, you have to accept that there's discomfort involved in that. Sometimes even pain, a good, good type of pain that causes growth. Uh, Michael Hyatt said this, he said, You and I should embrace discomfort for at least three reasons. Whether deliberately choose it or simply because it happens to us. First, comfort is overrated. It does not lead to happiness. It often leads to self-absorption and discontent. Secondly, discomfort is a catalyst for growth. It makes us yearn for something more. It forces us to change, stretch, and adapt. Third, discomfort signals progress. When you push yourself to grow, you will experience discomfort, but there's profit in that type of pain. Um, later in the passages that we read, Hebrews 12, 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. Um, you know, the word discipline in, in, in this passage is not punishment. It's, it's training. It's encouragement. It's um, as when you're disciplining your child, you're discipling your child. You're showing them the way to go. It's more than, than just punishment. It's, it's a, uh, a training, correcting, rebuking, that kind of thing. You know, we know this, right? Thinking of that quote, we, we know this. I, I know it from myself as a kid. Um, I may have mentioned this before, but I hated it so much it comes up in my head. Um, we had huge oak trees in our yard in Massachusetts, and every fall it would be about this much of leaves. And I remember starting around age 12, my parents say, it's your job to go rake the leaves. I mean, you start out doing that, and it's like one, two, all right, I'm tired. That is 12-year-old, right? You know, noodle arms. And then you do it, and they come out and say, you didn't do it well enough, you, you missed all the acorns. You ever tried to rake acorns? It's like, rake, 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 they're still there. Rake, 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 they're still there. Remember hating it, hating it. But because my, my parents were kind of hard, they said, "Well, you can't do anything else until it's done." So I had to persevere. I had to get better at it. If I wanted to stretch it out for weeks and never do anything else, and just do you know a little bit here and never do anything else, I had to get stronger. I had to persevere so I could get on to other other things. And God has a sense of humor because I put myself through graduate school as a landscaping foreman and done plenty of <laughs> plenty of plenty of raking. Um, but it takes perseverance to grow. It takes accepting that sometimes that includes discomfort and pain. Uh, James says it this way in chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So to become mature, you have to develop perseverance. Uh, Paul said in Romans, he said this, uh, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So you have to be willing to endure some pain without quitting, and then your strength grows. And I, just a word to parents, it's, it's pretty important that um, we don't smooth everything out for our kids. Um, you know, general rule that's pretty good for parenting is to not do for kids what they can do for themselves. Now, maybe not when you're trying to get in the car on time because they're a lot slower and messier and all that kind of stuff, but otherwise, let them struggle a little bit. It's really important. Don't make it all comfortable for them all the time. It leads to discontent and spoiled kids who are not confident with themselves. If you want confident kids, let them struggle through. Give them more and more responsibility. Let them help you in the house. Really important uh, for life and for them growing. So we, we say yes to discomfort and pain to increase our perseverance. Um, and then how we do that is we keep our eyes on Jesus. So the second half of verse 1 and 2 says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is our example of facing suffering. That's where we look to get inspiration, to understand the, that there's a point to it, that we can deal with pain because he did and, and is there with us. So he faced a cross looking past it to the joy it would bring. Part of that joy, I want to say, some of you need to hear, that he could face the cross, even scorning at shame. Part of that joy is you. It's you. The cross makes it possible for him the relationship with you. That's his joy. You. And he could face that because he knew it would lead to that relationship. So when it says scorning the shame, like I said, it's, it's saying that it's not even comparable to the joy on the other side. We have to have a long-term vision. Perseverance is, is connected to that long-term vision of being closer to Jesus, doing what he wants, reaching our goals. And, I, and a side note, as a counselor, I just wanted to kind of look at something. There really are, are kind of two types of suffering and pain that, that are in mind here. Um, there's the pain of sticking with self-imposed disciplines, right, of reaching a goal. There's, there's, you know, there's a pain with that. But sometimes there's pain in our life that is, had nothing to do with our choices. It's from the unjust actions of other people, Right? Now, we need perseverance to face both, but I don't think or believe that um, that type of unjust suffering caused by people who have a free will and living in a broken world is, was, was ever God's desire. The thing is, we live on a planet where God's given us free will. He doesn't control other people's free will or it wouldn't be free. Now, some, some good 
Christians um, have different beliefs on that, but you know, we live in a world where people have free will and, and God can't control free will or it would stop to be that. So unfortunately, that leads us to situations where some of you have been hurt very, very deeply. And I don't think that God wanted that. I'll even say that um, I don't believe the cheap sayings that, you know, that means it was a good thing. It would have been better if it hadn't happened to you. God didn't want that to happen to you. But what I do know is that there's healing in Jesus Christ. But what you need to know is that it takes perseverance. Some healings take a long time. But he's there with you, and he wants to give you that perseverance and that faith and that bravery to face it. And we're here as a church to help with that as well. So, even with that, the way that you get through that is you keep your eyes on Jesus, the one who loved you enough to go to the cross and suffer, the one who, because of the joy of having a relationship with you and healing you and bringing you into relationship with him, he was able to face it. And then the last thing that helps us to increase our perseverance is understand that God is working in us. It's his power. We lean on him. And that really it's all him that brings us about. Uh, if we look at Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's the one we lean on to persevere. So as I, as I conclude this morning, you know, I want to ask for that we take a moment before God just in privacy. So I'm going to ask if, if you're willing, if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes and with no looking around, just a moment before God. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing, like come up front or anything, but with no one looking around. If you know that you have some self-imposed discipline that you want to do and to give to God, that God is calling you to do, throwing off hindrances in the way, maybe dealing with some entangled sin, and you want to persevere in that growth, would you just, just, just with only me and God seeing, would you slip your hand up? Praise God, praise God. God responds when we respond to that call, so you can put your hands down. He sees that. And this may be even harder and take more bravery, but if you know that you, know, you need to deal with some, some hurt, even hurt that God didn't want for you, but you need his perseverance. Would you slip your hand up now? Praise God. Praise God. Or you can slip your hand down. So let's, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, Father in heaven, Lord, you see your children. Lord, they responded to your uh, moving of the Holy Spirit there. And, but for those that raise their hand, Lord, bless them with the sense of the joy that you're looking at them with right now. Lord, with the truth that you are there to strengthen them, to heal them, that though sometimes that takes a long time, that that does not mean that they're doing something wrong, that they can persevere in the truth that you are with them and that they're on the right track. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So when we respond to the Lord like that, it, it takes bravery, right? It really does. I'm proud of all of you who respond to the Spirit's call there. We're going to sing a song, and I, I want you to sing it in faith and to recognize the truth that's being, being said. It's, uh, you make me brave. He makes us brave. So would you stand as we sing this song in response to him? So, if you know God's calling you, and many of you responded to that, just want to commend to you our prayer uh, room over here. We have some precious saints in there. We'd love to pray over you, to pray with you, to listen to you. If you know that God's calling you to a new season of pushing through, growing in him, perseverance, please go that way before you you go out the doors today. But let me pray for us. Lord, Father in heaven, Lord, help all of us this week to fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.